0: Daniel chapter 3, you know, if you grew up in Sunday school. How many grew up in Sunday school? Where were the rest of you all? (laughs) I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, You've heard this story, Daniel chapter 3, about King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, the first part of uh, Daniel was when he had a dream. Nobody could uh, interpret the dream, but God gave the interpretation to Daniel. And then right after that, Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, probably gold overlaid with gold. That is a big, big idol, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. And uh, so he says that everybody, when you hear the music, you have to fall down and worship it. And uh, so everybody was scared to death because he said, there's a fiery furnace waiting for you for all of those who do not. And so he said, uh, you're going to have to do this. Well, there was three guys that were friends of Daniel. They were actually leaders in the country. Nebuchadnezzar was from Babylon. Babylon took all, invaded Israel and took them all out, and they were captive. But they were living so-called normal lives under the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar. But... Uh, In Daniel 3.16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So their their commitment was, you know, what we believe God's going to deliver us. But you know what? Even if He doesn't, you know, we know this that we're not going to worship God because we serve the true God. Being committed to what you believe, being committed enough to stand by your convi- convictions. Uh, I know a lot of times, you know, that when we serve God and you study about God and you come here. About God in church. I don't know about you, but a large portion of my life that, you know, you have to sacrifice or you have to really surrender. You have to give up things. Let me just say this. In reality, that's not what God wants us to do. It's more, you know, like I've got to give my life for God. No. It's in an exchange. I give my life so that I can have God's life. I give up my economy, what I think about money, for an exchange of God's money and his economy. There's so much in the word of God because, listen, if we think you know, that there is a lot of suffering and a lot of surrender and a lot of doing this, you know, that's like saying, you know, I've got to give up the, these, uh, this old penny. It's a 1974 penny, and it's really been precious to me. I've, I've kept it in my pocket all these years. You know, I just don't really want to give this up. And God says, you know, there, there's a door that you can go behind, and you can have a million dollars. But, you know, do you really want to give that up for that? I could have probably studied and came up with a better illustration, but my point is this. You can think of anything that you really... Let's take something that you probably really love, all right? Let's take a 69 Chevelle, burgundy with wide tires, Craggers on it, 396, that just when you start it up, you don't have to tell anybody, but it's just it's powerful just by the sound of the engine. I'm getting goosebumps right now just... Just thinking about it. But anyway, somebody says, you know, you can give that up. It was May 1969. Or you could come over here and have one or two things: a brand new, modern day a Chevelle that looks just like the 69, but it's brand new. Has all the modern technology. It's computerized and does all everything. And it gets 25 miles to the gallon. When I had my Chevelle, the, when the speedometer moved, the gas gauge moved at the same time, <laughs> the same time, same time. I remember my first over-the-road trip. I went from Louisville, Kentucky to outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. I was driving by myself, and, and I, it's only a five-hour drive, which is not very far. It's all interstate all the way. I had to stop and gas up halfway. That's that's really sad when I think about that, that it got such... But my point is this, to give up some... The whole point of this illustration, which is crashing and burning right now, but it's to, to think that we have a lot to give up, but we don't understand what we receive. We do not understand what we receive. People think we have to give up a lot of things. And uh, I know that we exchange sometimes our reasoning for his wisdom. We exchange our mentality, our perception for the way that God sees life and wants us to experience life. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, if the Lord Yahweh rescued Lot, he knows how to continually rescue the godly from their trials and to reserve the ungodly for punishment on the day of judgment. I just know that God wants us to, if everybody, and I know this is just Mike. This is not being from a spiritual standpoint. But Lot, I don't know about you, but he wasn't worth his weight in salt. Anyway, I digress. That, That was really poor. But anyway, my point is this. If you don't know that story, that's why you're not laughing. But this is the point. I would not have rescued that guy. I would not rescue him at all he was he was the one, the father that said when when the people came to to molest and those angels and everything he said, Here take my daughters. Are you kidding me? What kind of father oh man anyway i I just think that is such a terrible thing, and God somehow he he filters Lot, and sees him totally different than what any human being would see him. And in the New Testament, he calls him righteous Lot. Not just my son, but righteous Lot. God saw something that you and I could not see. We base how we see people on actions and what they do, and God does not identify you by your actions. Everybody should say amen to that. Man, I mean, just me crashing and burning in the sermon right now. I mean, God says, I still love you, Mike. You're not doing too good, but I still love you. But anyway, this is the thing. that I'm so grateful for that, and I still can't wrap my hands around that. My brain cannot wrap... You know, most people aren't in church today, not just this church, but churches around the world. One of the number one reasons is this. There are several reasons, but number one reason is they may have struggled with sin or they just feel like, you know, I just can't get over this or whatever, and so they feel shame and guilt when they come to church. All the while knowing that God, in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he does not even keep a record of their sin and he does not hold their sin against them. Sin does not affect how God sees you. Sin affects you how you perceive God because you you think he's against you. When you sin, it hardens your heart, but it has nothing to do. And I know this, this runs crosswise with a lot of religious people. And I still don't have a total revelation of it, but the sin, sin has consequences. We all know that. You rob a bank, you're going to have a prison ministry. So sin will affect you. It affects relationships this way. But this is what God wants you to know. It does not affect you this way as far as the way he sees you. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, listen. This is too good to be true news. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus has cleansed you to the degree that your sins are forgiven forever. You know, Tiffany was talking about reach up, reach in, and reach out. You know, I'm going to be real transparent with you. I have failed miserably. All the years that I have passed, I'm just being transparent. Don't anybody come up and go, oh, no, he isn't. No, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm just being honest, and I know. I've had conversations with God and say, boy, I really stink at this. And I don't know if he agreed with it, but it was like cricket, cricket, cricket. But anyway, uh, and that is this encouraging people to reach out more. Not to, you know, to feel bad. You know, I, I've there's been times when I was younger especially that, you know, I felt like if I didn't tell every single person about Jesus that I came in contact with that I was real close to being a sinner. And I remember those feelings. I hated that. You know, and then people walk away and you go, oh, no, they're probably going to go to hell, and it's my fault, <laughs> you know. I, so I that I hated those feelings, so I never want to put those kind of irritations and feelings on other people. But uh, the bottom line is we, we do need to be the light wherever we go. And, and I'll say this, you know what? You can't get rid of darkness by cursing, <coughs> cursing the darkness or trying to fight the darkness. There's only one way to get rid of darkness. Turn the light on then you don't even have the light. Darkness will automatically leave. I said it automatically leaves. You know, it doesn't, when we turn the lights on in the morning, you know, there's not a little bit of darkness in that corner and saying, you can't make me leave. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You can't make me. No, when it comes on, it's instantaneous. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It leaves. So this is why we need to let our light shine. But let me tell you this. The biggest thing that I think for our light to shine there's several big things. But I believe experiencing God yourself. There's a scripture in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. This is the Passion Translation. For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you. Listen to this now. This is so every word in this scripture. The reality, the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. Your experience. I believe all of us, including myself, from time to time, uh, our walk with God gets boring. If you've been married for many years... Everybody just keep looking forward, okay, so you don't get in trouble. That's the best way. Don't snicker, don't laugh, don't go, mm, or definitely don't go, mm. If you do that, (laughs) there will be a doghouse waiting for you. But anyway, we've all gotten bored in relationships. (laughs) Oh, You're all looking so holy out there. We've gotten bored in our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our boss, with life, and with God. You ever told God that, you know, God, I I just feel like our relationship is boring. You might as well because he may be up there saying amen. Yeah, I'm glad you finally came to that conclusion. He once, Paul said this, the number one thing for me is that I might know him, that I might know him. I don't know about you, but I've really, still, I, I feel like I, I know a little bit about the grace message, a little bit. And yet, there's times where I feel like, man, God, I just feel like I'm continually letting you down. I just feel like I need to do a better job. I just fill in the blank. And I know that's a lie. God is pleased with you and he's pleased with me. 100%. You please God and he loves you no matter what. He does. But this is what he wants. It's all for us to know him to a better degree to where you can rest in life at a better degree. God wants you and me to rest. And if you're trying to please, you can rest assured you won't be resting. You won't be resting. And so I wrote down a couple of things that God wants us to experience him. You know, most people know about God between their ears. Most people know that God is good. Most people know, yeah, First uh, Peter, especially, you know, I mean, ever since 1978, I, I understood about healing or knew that God wanted people well. 1978. Quick, how many years is that? 22, 78. That's 22 and 43. 40, 44. I missed it by one. 44 years. 44 years of knowing that God wants people healed, including me. That's a long time. But this is the point. Knowing that God wants you healed and experiencing healing. Which one is going to cause you... 1 Corinthians 1-6, bring it up again. Which one is going to cause you to have the reality of the truth of Christ, knowing or experience. It just hit me upside the head. So many Christians for maybe decades, maybe years, maybe days, maybe this is the first time some people have heard it, but God just doesn't want you to know about healing. You can quote 400 scriptures on healing. God wants you to experience it. And this, listen to me now. Because knowledge will get boring to you after a while. <laughs> it will. The Bible says this, knowledge puffs up. One illustration is cotton candy. I never was a big cotton candy fan, but, you know, I've tasted it before. But I, everybody knows, you know, when you go to the fair and they're swirling around this thing and this vroom. And you can get this big old vroom and just go, and it's a marble size. It looks like substance, but there's no substance in it. It's all poof. Like those hairs back in the women in the seventies, man. And then I've got a picture, but anyway, I digress. This is kind of like one of those squirrel messages today, squirrel. But anyway, how <laughs> I many we were alive in the seventies? Those big haired the, the women. I'm talk, and the men when they had the the what do you call them? Afros, You know, they had the afros and the women. They thought, well, mine's going to be bigger than an afro. And they just, I mean, just tease the hair. I had sisters, so I know. They tease it. I don't know what that means, tease it. It's like, anyway, they, <laughs> they would tease their hair and make it just big, just big stuff. But it's, it was just mostly filled with air, air inside of that head. <laughs> inside of the hair. Hair. I meant to say hair. All my sisters are going to comment on that. But anyway... When you're this far in the ditch, just stop talking. I really should stick to my notes. Experiencing. Having a relationship with God is not, you're not going to know the reality and the fullness of God if you don't experience it. If you just say, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm not going to hell and I know God, and I'm going to church, and I'm learning about God, you won't experience the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ if you do not experience him. And I thought about this. There's times in my life that I know without a shadow of a doubt that God spoke to me. You know, there's times you think that, you know, Let me. I'm just going to see where you're at. How many in here know without a shadow of a doubt there's been specific times that you heard the voice of God? those times that uh, I remember hearing it. When I experience something like that, God becomes more real to me. When you hear the voice of God, we can, you can learn the scripture, my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and know my voice. You can know that. But if you don't ever hear the voice and experience that and you just have knowledge of that, he's not going to be more real to you. I believe you can be a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and not experience him like you should and you just have a knowledge of God. The problem with that is when you really need to hear from God and you don't you just know about hearing from God. How's that going to affect you? Knowing about that God wants you healed and You need a healing. You know, the great thing about our medicine, thank God we have great medicine in the United States. Well, for the most part. But, I mean, there comes a time when maybe the doctor can't do anything for you. You need God. There comes a time when you're walking around with pain for 20, 30, 40 years. You think, man, I don't want to live like this anymore. We have to experience healing. God wants us to. We have to experience healing, hearing, protection. I mean, it's just the world that we're living in, crazy, crazy world. I mean, it used to be you having to make sure that you watch over. Uh, we had this conversation at the dinner table last night. You know, you, you had to watch, you, you know, the little kids. But now, grown women, 20, 30 years old, disappearing. You think? Crazy. So we need protection. But listen to me, we need to experience the protection. Not just know that God, a thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh into you. No, you need to experience it. I think about my life. There's times I should not be here today. I should be dead. And one time I did die when I jumped off Lake Ten Killer to the cliff. I saw my spirit, I saw my body down in the water. I was dead for I don't know how long, for a few seconds. God protected me. There's been several times that I I almost died in life. But God protected me. You need to, why do I say that? It reminds me that when I experience that, that God is more real to me. God, we need to have a real relationship with God. Not just a Bible relationship. Thank God for the word. I'm not, you know, I'm not belittling that. But God wants you to experience Him. Experience protection, experience healing, experience Him in being restored. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, it says, For your shame that he will give you double. In other words, you can have shame in your life. And I thought about that in my life, man. You all don't know all my history, but man, I got a lot of shame in my life. Shame, shame, shame. And some of it plagues me every once in a while. It just rises up within me. I wish I would have did better than that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I could have done something better than that. And it brought shame. There's a time that most of my friends looked upon me in shame in Louisville, Kentucky. Shame. I remember this morning when I woke up, I remember... This had to be the devil. A conversation a man had with me, he says, I thought you were a better man than that. Shame. But this is the thing. God wants you to experience restoration from the shame and guilt. He doesn't just want you to know that he paid the price. He bore. You know, people can quote this. He bore my shame on the cross. God wants you, most Christians will say this, God is so strong. He's so powerful. Yeah, but he wants you to experience God is my strength. God is my strength. God is my joy. Galatians 5.20, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. God wants you to experience all of them. Patience. God wants you, God is my patience. God is my joy. God is my faithfulness. God is my kindness in relationships. God wants you to experience things in relationships. You know? As a pastor there's been lots of people that have let me down. I felt let down by. And everybody in here has relationships. I'm not talking about just peripheral people i'm talking about people that are close to you. people all of us have had people that let us down hurt us in some way and this is what the lord said he said and it goes both ways. you have as well i have let people down i have offended people i have hurt people so it's a two-way street You know, so many times we get focused on, you know, this one let me down, this one let me down, this one hurt me, this one. You just want to start getting a guitar and start singing a song. But God wants you to experience. Proverbs, I believe it's Proverbs, it could be Psalms, where it says, if my mother and my father forsake me, you will pick me up. You know, instead of my mother and my father forsake me, I'll go on some talk show and let everybody know about it. You know, that's what the world does. And then we all go, so terrible. How could their parents do that? And it helps no one. God wants you to experience love so powerfully that the hurt that you receive melts away as if it does not even exist anymore in your life. It's all about people. It's all about people. It's all about our... This is how they're going to know your followers of Christ, your love for one another. There's never been, probably, except for the Civil War. And I feel like we're at a civil war here in America. We may not be getting guns and shooting everybody, but, boy, words have been spit out and causing such division, not only in the world, but between Christians. And so this is what I think would cause us to draw closer to one another, and that is having a desire to experience him in our everyday life. I've experienced God in business decisions. I had this rental house one time that I didn't know much about it, but uh Billy Wayne, a friend of mine who taught me about this stuff, and uh and even Paul and Sue Lures, they've taught me a lot. That um you need your house inspected. You know, an inspector costs you know, anywhere from five to seven hundred dollars, and I thought, well, that's just you know, when you're small-minded, five or $700 seems like all the money in the world. And Billy said, don't ask how much it costs, but ask how much it is worth. So I said, okay, I'll get it done. And this one house I was going up to, the first thing I always do is look at the roof. So I was looking at the roof. It looks fine to me, you know, the roof. Heating, cooling, air conditioning, and heating is the next biggest thing you want to make sure of. Then a hot water heater, and then... You know, the floors, those are the high-dollar items you want to make sure that your rental has good. So I thought, man, this this is great. So I I went ahead and hired an inspector because Billy said, don't ask how much it costs, ask how much it's worth. So I did that. God is trying to help you and me more than we are trying to help ourselves. He wants you to do good in business. He wants you to experience good business deals. He wants you to make money. He wants all of these things. But anyway, so I had my inspector. He comes to me, and then he shows me for like 30, 45 minutes all of these boring pictures and videos that he took and everything. And then he says, Mike, you need to get the roof replaced. And I went, and he showed me these pictures of big indentations all along. The, the roof was like one of those that Santa Claus would not come and visit. I mean, it's just... <laughs> and it was a two-story. And so I said, how did you get these pictures? He said, well, I tied myself on a rope, and I went out that, that window up there and left me. And I took it and I went, <laughs> what? I'm pretty adventuresome, but I don't think I'd have done that. My wife would not have wanted me to do that. But anyway, to make a long story short... That would have cost me $18,000 later if I didn't discover that to get that roof replaced. That's a lot of money. The seller replaced the roof. God wants you to experience, and then the Lord says, I'm the one who put it in that guy's mind to inspect the roof the way that he did. Because, you know, many inspectors could have just said, oh, yeah, it's good, Mike. It's good. Everything's good. God wants you to experience him in everyday life. And listen, the more that we start experiencing him in everyday life, Causing you to prosper. And that's just why Third John 2 verse says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. God wants you to prosper in your, in your soul, in your mind, in your thinking, in your relationships. He wants you to experience happiness with your spouse, with your children. He wants you to experience these things. Instead of just trying to do a better job. I mean, there's been so many times when I get burned out as a pastor. I think, here we go. I've got to... Come up with another message for next Sunday. And, you know, the thing is, there's 52 Sundays in a year. If there's only two or three, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But there's 52. You think, well, 52 is not much. You try coming up and speaking 52 times in front of people. Okay, I digress. But anyway, you have to rest and depend and trust and rely upon God. You have to do that. If you don't, it becomes works. And God wants you and I to experience Him to the degree that we are not working harder to try to get a relationship with Him. He wants you to experience Him and the love of God. I mean, there's just been so many times that I just sense the love and the presence of God. You can't study that. Are you hearing me? You can't study that. But listen to me. If you don't experience it, your relationship with God would just get, be more boring and more boring to the degree you think, church doesn't do anything for me. I'm, I'm going to quit church. You get more bored and more bored. You know, reading the Bible, it just, it just doesn't do anything for me. You get more bored and more bored. Pretty soon you want to live in Bora Bora. Did you know there's a country, uh, city that just came to my mind, Bora Bora in Tanzania? But anyway... I'm really having a lot of squirrel moments. <laughs> a lot of squirrel. Anyway, I heard Andrew Womack said, even a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while, he just keeps looking. Maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm just keeping going, keeping going. But um, God wants us to experience everything, and he never wants you to be bored with him. Never to be bored. But if we don't experience God, I will testify. There's been so many boring times with God, but it's not his fault. He's still speaking. He still has the power that he gave me. He's done everything, given me everything that pertains to life and to godliness. He's done it all. But how can somebody who has it all and be so bored, to be so bored? It's because we're not experiencing his love, his goodness, his voice. Everything that he's given to us, we're not experiencing him. So the whole point of this message today is for you. You know, Brother Hagan always said this. He says, never just seek a sign, you know, because, you know, we hear about Brother Hagin, all of his miracles. So we just, we would just say, I want to see a miracle. I got to see a miracle. I got to see it working." If you do that or see a sign, the devil will accommodate you. He can show signs as well. So my prayer for you, and you need to pray this, is not, I want to see a sign. I want to see a miracle. Our relationship is Jesus. We need to experience him. We need to know him. And so we need to bring the truth of the word of who he is into a walking Reality experiencing relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Amen. Let's stand. You might as well just be honest with God, He knows. You know what I mean? For some of you, maybe here today, just say, man, on a scale of one to ten, ten being so bored that, you know. I was at Walmart, and there was this elderly lady, and she was, you know, they have the people at the door, you know, check your receipts now, you know. And so, and I was way down, and like from here to the sound booth from from the front door, and I saw this elderly woman. She was on her cane, and her eyes were closed, and I thought, she's sleeping, standing up. The little kid in me mean, wanted to kick the cane, but I, 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 I digress. But anyway... <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, not that I wanted to kick you down, but that I would do that. I would never do that. But, I mean, I thought it's impossible for you to sleep standing up, but it can be done. But, I mean, that is boredom to the nth degree. You know what I'm saying? I don't want my relationship to be like God walks right by you, and you're. Hopefully, he would kick the king out. But, anyway. You don't want your relationship to be like that with God. Do you? I just know because when you do become like that, you won't talk to Him anymore. You won't ask Him anymore. What? I really just need some wisdom on this. No, you won't even do that. You'll just go through life in your own strength and your own power. Until the bottom falls out. And then, like most people, God, help me, help me, help me. The good news is, he will. What an awesome God. What an awesome Father. He does. He will help you even when you're a jerk. I've been jerk with a capital J, jerk. And I cry out to him. He says, I'm here, Mike. Matter of fact, Mike, I never did leave you. Never left you one second. I was with you through all of that. You didn't know I was there, but I was there. God wants us to experience him, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you. I thank you for this message for myself. Because Mike Davis needs to experience you. Each person in here, maybe there's some that are experiencing. It. But we need to refresh ourselves in how much God loves us. How much you love us. And so, by us experiencing that love, we will know the truth and reality of how much God loves us. So, I pray, Lord for each and every person that's listening to this message. That people will experience you in their everyday life. Thank God that we can experience you on Sunday morning, but Lord, you want us to experience you seven days, not just one. So I thank you for speaking to people today. Helping people today with their finances. Helping people today with their physical health helping people today with their relationships those that have cut relationships off God that you're speaking to them today to say hey that's not good for you to cut that off so I pray that we have ears to hear and that we will experience the voice of almighty God today in Jesus name man.